Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So we've made it through the things and the Telltale Hearts, and now, yep. now we're at the last band that we talked about at the first reaction, and that's the Steps. Yes, sir. So we're gonna bring on three quarters of the band today and uh, talk to them about their career. I think that's fantastic. Let's get started. Let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tune. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. 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 So on today's episode, Soraya and I are really excited because we've come to the conclusion and we've saved a very special and dear and near, uh, band dear to my heart, and that's The Steps. So previously we did an episode, it was our episode 81, where we had a first reactions, and I played some songs for Soraya from The Things, Telltale Hearts, and The Steps, and we've already talked to the members from The Things and the Telltale Hearts. And then, so now we've got members from the Steps and I'm super excited. We got three quarters of the band on today. Um, we've got the a singer and guitarist, John Fallon. John, thank you for joining us today. Greetings, Earth people. <laughs> and, and then lead guitarist, Tim Gilman. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> And then also, not you won't be able to see him, but on the call we have Jim Bailey, the drummer. Hey, Jim. Hey, man. What's going on? <laughs> hey. So we're super excited to have you guys on the show. And so we just wanted to say to the steps, welcome to Paisley Stage, Raspberry and Rye. We're glad to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. All right, John, we want to start with you. Um, along with your brother, David, you recorded and released a five-song EP in 1982 as the Blue Max on your own yep. label. There you go. Uh, we wanted uh, to know if you could share with our listeners a little bit about this release. What could you tell us about this release? Um, the songs um, were written, like some of them were written when I was in Chicago. I was going to Loyola University and uh, David was in L.A. Then we got together and finished up some of them. So... Like I'd say maybe one Dave wrote, then two of them we wrote together, then one, you know, they were a bit of a mix. Because we always approached writing like Lennon McCartney, like one finishes with the other guy's song, or you have a full song finished. But it was always like both of us listed as writing it. But uh, they were recorded in uh, L.A., I think in Sun Valley. It was a brand new studio. It was a really nice studio, but we couldn't afford much. So we went in and we had a couple hours and we just blasted them all out. <laughs> Nice, nice. But that that uh, record, those that recording actually ended up being what started the movement of the steps because uh, it was uh, reviewed in England in Sounds magazine. Oh no, NME. It was New Musical mm -hmm. Express, and we got such a great review and reaction from that that it just took off from there. Then we went back to LA, and that's how we ended up meeting Tim after that. Oh, cool! Wow, I I, I will say with this. Uh, Blue Max record. It took me 30 years to oh, find it's rare. this. So it's very hard to get. <laughs> yeah. And once I, once I did find it, which came about when the internet age came, and it was easier to find because going record store to record store looking for this did not do did not prove to be very successful. 
But uh, I've put um, I catalog all my records and with using Discogs Fine online. Man. And since I've I've cataloged this, I've been contacted about five or six times from people offering me three hundred dollars for this record. But I yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm not letting go of it. That's not not, right. not going to happen. So. I think there were only two hundred press. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, and a lot of them went to magazines in England, in Germany, and in the States. So I don't think it ever was in the shops. Oh wow! Yeah, it's very rare. Yeah, it, it took me the internet to until I could find it. So, Tim, next up, our question is for you. So how did you come into the picture? It's, it sounds like John and David moved to L.A., and you're in L.A. So how did you come to join the band? Well, we had some mutual friends in the Pasadena area. And uh, one night, I was at a party in Arcadia, and some friends of mine knew that I was looking for a band. And they suggested I talk to John and Dave, and I uh, got their phone numbers i believe and called and it turned out that they were living about three blocks away from my house yeah. in temple city so i yeah. walked over there basically okay and you know what? i remember i remember the day vividly that day dave and i were thinking we, we'd heard about tim from these other people at a party so we we were in touch with tim we drove over to tim's house going let's see if this is going to work Pull up, he walks into the driveway, walking down wearing like a Paisley shirt, George Harrison hair, beetle boots, and he's like, Hi guys. <laughs> I go, Okay, so far this is good. And originally, originally we were going to have uh, Tim as the bass player. What we were going to do is set up the band as like The Who, where I would play guitar and sing backup, have Dave as the lead singer, not playing an instrument, and have Tim playing bass. So we go into his house, into his music room, the legendary Tim's music room. And anyway, we're in there playing, and Tim picks up his guitar and plays um, the Beatles, She Said, She Said. Uh, and I just go, okay, he's the lead guitarist. <laughs> Forget it. Let's all go with our strengths. <laughs> yes, yes. One of my favorite all-time Beatles songs. That lick is perfect. That's what you went, Dan, Dan, Dan. Nice, nice. Way, way to ace that interview, Tim. Yeah, that was pretty damn good. <laughs> Yeah, the band took a direction right there into a little bit louder, a little bit stronger, and a little bit more psychedelic, yeah. for sure. But we still kept that uh, rhythm, that uh, mod. Yeah, rhythm. yeah. We always had thing. like a pop influence. So Tim's right on that, yeah. That's amazing. I like that. Tim walks in the room, done. So. <laughs> yeah. um, we wanted to ask a, a little bit about the first release by The Steps, uh, the 1984 release. While it's self-titled, people 
commonly refer to it as the Mystic EP. And John, uh, we want to know, one, how do you come to put out the record on Doug Moody's Mystic Records label? And talk to us a little bit about the recording of this EP, the Mystic EP. Okay, it's really odd, because the A-side is, the four songs on the A-side were recorded with a producer named Ron Fair, who who, uh, worked at Chrysalis at the time. So he was really interested, because another guy named Jamie Cohen from, I think, was it RCA or something, had had heard us about that interview, uh, sorry, about that stuff in England. So he invited us back over. He said, if you're ever in LA, come over. And I thought, well, we can get back to LA because our parents were living there. So we went back and he put us with this producer. We did the first, the A-side, the four songs, and that was shopped around for a record deal. Uh, a couple were close, but it didn't happen. So we uh, played, I think Doug Moody heard it at uh, Mystic Records. And he said, it reminds me of the 60s. I don't have any bands like this. I'm going to put you guys in the studio, do four more songs. So in a way, the Mystic album, is the mini album, is actually two EPs stuck together. One was recorded in 83, one was recorded in 84. So in a way, it's like, that's why the two sides sound so different. Huh. So it is kind of an odd mini album as such. But it was so homemade, like we were cutting the pictures out and sticking them on this piece of thing. And like, look what that cover looks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's a punk label so you know <laughs> yeah that was it fit yeah that was one thing that i was curious about the other releases on mystic are nothing like the steps for the most part nothing. <laughs> yeah i was actually going to school at, at uh, trade tech in la and i met and i told him about the steps and um brought him that ep that was almost done on day they had already been in the studio with Ron Fair for a while. And, um, yeah, actually, the the lead for a Whole Lot of Love was recorded at Doug Moody's studio because he had the best reverb in town. And he has this little plaque on his wall in there. He's, right. he's a very interesting yeah, guy, Doug Moody. Jimmy Page, uh, John Bonham, and John Paul Jones also recorded with uh, Screaming Lord Such in that studio called uh, Screaming Lord Such Jams with Heavy Friends album. Oh, and wow. that plaque was all. And not only that, um, Charles Manson started recording in that studio. Oh, wow. Moody was freaked out by him and yeah. told him, you know, you've got to get a better Girl. sound outside. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere else. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. 
So that was the same studio where you guys recorded Side B of the Mystic. Correct, correct. Many yeah. And Tim is on all that, too. Tim was in the band by then. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but the main focus of our podcast is the Paisley Underground. And we understand that the steps have some some loose connections with that scene. Yeah. In that yeah. you guys were opening for a few of the bands. If I'm not mistaken, I think you guys opened for Rain Parade, maybe? Dream Syndicate? The Long Riders and Green on Red, perhaps? Okay, the ones that I know we've actually played with, we've played with the things at... Um... At Greg's Club across from uh, Capitol Records. Okay. And uh, like a Sid Griffin, I had met, and he was on. He like he'd invite me to show, so I go and see uh, the Long Riders. So I knew him a bit. Um, the Bangles actually, we um, we went to K Rock. I think Tim, Tim, Dave, and I went to K Rock on uh, Rodney's show, and the Bangles were running the show. Oh wow! So Rodney was there. Yeah. So it was the Bangles and us in there and just playing records. And it was kind of funny. They'd take a break and go, like, send somebody out to get dinner. And they come back and they're counting the change. And it was just really all strange. And then, and then we're just hanging out, like, waiting for that uh, mystic when they get played. <laughs> so they didn't play it. And they were, they were like, they were actually all pretty friendly. And then after they played us all, we chatted. And we th- we're going to let them do the rest of the show. We left. So we're all in the car driving away, and then they, we were listening to the show, and they go, oh, those steps, they were so cute. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, Soraya, what, what do you think about this? I hadn't, I hadn't heard this story. <laughs> well, first of all, you got to love any story that involves uh, the steps leaving and hearing about them being so cute on the radio. <laughs> but, again, it goes back to the influence, again, of Rodney's show. And I oh, just yeah. love hearing this uh, yeah. this um, meshing of the minds on one show. No Rodney, Bangles and Steps. How do you like that? Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah, oh, definitely. Pretty good. Rodney was, he was a very low-key guy, but without him, there wasn't a focal point. You know, you got to get on his show. You know, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if he's not there. <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a great story. Uh, Jim, I wanted to ask you, uh, can you talk to our us and our listeners about how you joined the steps? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. Um, so I saw this uh, ad. Old drummer needed, you know, band ready to go. So I roll on in, and I go, "Hey, I'm here." And I see some other guy leaving, but I have beer, so I figure <laughs> I'm at least halfway home. 
And then so they go, they go play these songs, and I play them all wrong. And then they go, oh, play these other songs they actually know. And I go, oh, I'll play them all right. And they go, you're all right. <laughs> and I go, let's drink some more beer. <laughs> and I'm in. And it was great because uh, right. we, had, we had an ad, and like Jim was mentioning, we had an ad, and we had 33 drummers audition for us, wow. 11 each day at Tim's house. You know, in the driveway, drummers in the driveway, like a monkeys episode, you know, where there's drummers waiting to get in. Uh-huh. It's really weird. Anyway, we go through the first day, we find one guy, he's like, okay, he's tolerable. Second day, it was kind of nothing. Third day, we're going through. Was through, that me, through. the first guy? Was that no. the, like day no. one? Oh. Jim, okay. Jim is, on that day of yes. the 11 drummers, Jim Here. is number 10. Wow. Ooh! He's number 10. And then he's playing, we already know he's in the band. Because he was, you know, he was brilliant. And then Jim goes, brought, let me help with the him. next guy. Because out of a courtesy, we're going to audition him. So Jim goes outside and starts helping that guy bring in his drums. Here we go. Set it all up. Like as if he's just a roadie. That guy, the guy <laughs> that's going to be the drummer. <laughs> wow. And he did have beers. So, you know. <laughs> he actually had uh, Nina's, Nina Hagen's drummer came, came over to the house. He auditioned. Wow. He was like, good. Uh, no beer. Seven and a half feet tall. No beer, though, John. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I was going to say that the Steps, like a lot of bands, had uh, a little case of what I call STDS, which is Spinal Tap Drummer Syndrome. But um, for the for the yeah. mo- for the most part, Jim Jim was the drummer. So yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the most. For some of them, yeah. All right. So in 1986, the band releases the first full-length album. So one of my favorite all-time albums, and it's Drop of the Creature, which I have like tons of different versions of. And it's the band releases this record on Vox Records, um, and uh, the band primarily releases most of the, their releases on Vox. There's other labels right. that we'll talk about later, but um, right. the album, this album, has a much heavier sound than the Mystic Mini LP. And um, oh, yeah. can you guys tell us what influenced the sound going from more of a mod sound into uh, a heavier psych? Sound well, first, I was jamming, jamming together with the four of us playing together did influence. I mean, we're still Dave and I were still writing some pop songs, but some of them were heavier, so that kind of mix. So, yeah, 
So in other words, like Jim's drumming would influence us as like, I'm going to write a song where he can do more in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, you start writing to the, the way the band sounds. Okay. Which actually is more exciting than just sitting on your own going, I'm writing a song. Like anybody could do it, you know? <laughs> like we write songs that only the steps can do. <laughs> yeah. right. Nice. So Tim, how did you feel yeah. about this al- album and the songs coming together? I, I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. I, you know, we lived so close to each other. Uh, we'd work on it at home and then we'd come together and rehearse at my house. Party HQ. Hey, what, wait, what, what year was to that play one? the club that in Hollywood. Madam Wong's in the past. Yeah, it could, could have been. But uh, it seemed to get a little bit louder and a little bit more experimental as the shows went on. And a, a lot of the... Um, ideas that we had ended up on that album, Drop of the Creature, and it kind of set the tone uh, for that next couple of years until we ended up with uh, the legendary Starbolt producing. And then we kind of got a little more uh, into details uh, as far as sounds and actual, actually using the tools in the studio to create some atmosphere that we didn't have on drop of the creature so it's kind of was a little um things changed rapidly back then and it was a good thing actually so how did you guys come to be a part of vox records and and where does greg shaw play into this well actually it came about because we were doing um we did a show at his um, club. Again, it's a, it was across the... He called it the Cavern Club, but it was... Mm-hmm. It, was it even made People magazine. Wow. His uh, thing, it was a picture of him and a lot of people we knew were in a photograph, and it was across from Capitol Records. And uh, Dave and I were actually at the point there where we were going to move back to Ireland, and we weren't going to stay in the States. So we were just wrapping it up, kind of. So we, we went there to do a show for him, and there were some problems outside, and there were a lot of kids everywhere. So... Greg walked up to us and just said, just play, just jam, play anything. So we did. And we were just doing like bits and pieces of um, stuff from Tommy, the who, just little bits and pieces of it. And it was, yeah, we started getting into it. And, you know, people started walking back in and people started piling into the stuff. So there might have been a fight outside or something that Greg had to go out and sort out. And then people came in. So after we did all that, then we did our set. What was amazing is Greg said right after the show, I want you guys to do an album. Wow. And I, just, and I just said, well, we're leaving next week. And he said, I don't care. Come back. I, I want an album. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that's how it started with Greg. He was completely blown away. And remember, we were the band after that. We did so many albums. We recorded for Greg Shaw more than any other recording artist. He was like, we were like his pet band, where he, he even went to Europe with us. Wow. And he never we went anywhere. <laughs> we were the first band that Greg sent to Europe. Yeah. And it wasn't as a punishment, you know. Yeah, he met us out there, and uh, that's a whole nother story. Uh, when we did end up in, in England, we did not have Jim Bailey. Oh, yeah. We had to make a phone call. We had to make phone calls to get Jim out there for that. Yeah, uh, that was wild times. And then we had to go off and do 30 shows <laughs> across Europe. <laughs> 30 shows? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we did two years in a row, 88 and 89. Each year had about 30-something shows. So it was like almost 70 shows in two years. Wow. You know, concentrated in like one month here and one month there. But at the end of the tours, we go back to London and do an album. 
So it was sort of like tour and get back, rehearse a little bit, go in the studio. It was like living like the Stones with no money. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. came up with the name drop of the creature i did and the reason that i use that there's two reasons one it sounds something mystical like the doors okay. something where they would say but in reality it's an irish saying i mean drop of the creature means a little drop of the whiskey oh so the creature the creature i ah, have a drop of the creature cheers ah, there you go <laughs> oh yes sir <laughs> see so Jim brought the drop of the creature the first the, when he came for the trial. I love it. Well, John, I think if I'm not mistaken, after the drop drop of the creature, is this when you and David go back to Ireland and? Well, we had we had already gone to Ireland. We wrote all the songs in Ireland, and then came back to record them with the band. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we did it again with studio. Okay. The same formula. So the the as we're talking talking about studio which is the next album jim's no longer in the band or at least he what didn't play on that album so jim what happened at that point jim was in san quentin at the time oh <laughs> yeah johnny's not too far off i i went to santa cruz for a year and, and i and the demos were super good but i couldn't get there and they couldn't come here so we took a holiday but the demos are super good. I knew they'd be good. And I copped a lot of that cat's licks on the tour because they were good. Right, right. I mean, that's... <laughs> so basically, it was about availability. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, again... Uh, we... and it, 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 could have, it could have been a, a passport police issue, but I, I don't want to talk about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll let that but sit. It all went right? away. It went away. <laughs> It's it's been cleared, yeah. So all it took was nice. Yeah, the person that caused that problem is dead now. <laughs> uh, I like to use the phrase "just a misunderstanding." <laughs> all it took was forty nine ninety nine and uh, filling out a short application, right? That's all it took. <laughs> uh, I want to ask Tim a question about um, about do you think it's right?
track. Thank you. <laughs> so you on, know, uh, I have I have forced him to play that on his next solo show. I swear to gosh. All right. This is true. I'm not a real, I'm not a strong virtuoso. You know, I like to work on other people's material more than I work on my own material. But that was a song that I wrote while I was uh, in Oregon at the Blueberry Farm that never happened. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, well, that's yeah. psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> raspberry. This is about my buddy, yeah, raspberry. Like Mike, and actually Mike is there now. <laughs> yeah, so that was... Um, just one of those things, you know. I wasn't even sure if we were going to play music anymore. And then Greg called and said, hey, you want to go to Europe? So I did have a couple songs that I brought with me over there. Um, and they ended up on, uh, you know, various albums. One or two songs per album. Yeah. So you're kind of like the George Harrison of the band. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So. Well, true to you right, man. No, you were right. That's a great track, man. Was right. Right. I was right there. <laughs> so, opinion i probably shouldn't be saying this to the band but this starts the bad album covers in my mind but oh well, yeah that's that, that album cover is weird amazing and you know what? amazing so there's record, always though. there's amazing. always wait, there's always inquire with him yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that was greg's idea oh my god we'll get to we'll get to that trust me we'll get to that so greg said i've got a computer <laughs> so to our list our list yeah, I I would like to say to our listeners, don't judge these albums by their covers. <laughs> don't the the, the, music, the music the music yeah, inside yeah. is amazing. So yes. So so uh, at this right. point, well, actually, with Drop of the Creature and Studio, you guys were working a little bit with um, Bad Religions, Brett Gerwitz, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he was the engineer on both. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us? Uh, we we talked with uh, members from the Things, and they had also worked with Brett. Can you guys tell us okay. about your experience working with Brett on these two records? The legal, legal stuff? Or... <laughs> no. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny. I don't think we have clearance yeah, for that. <laughs> you know what, though? He had he had two studios. And the first, the Drop of the Creature album was done, it was called Westgate Studio, and it was far west in L.A. Okay. And then the second one for Studio, he got a bungalow in the heart of Hollywood. And it was like a bungalow from the 30s or something, surrounded by a giant parking lot. Nothing was there. It was really odd. You could walk out at 3 a.m. and there's nothing around in the middle of Hollywood. Wow. So he got that. And the whole house was made into a recording studio. Like the rooms were used for different reasons. That, that Like the actual recording of studio was a more interesting atmosphere than Drop of the Creature, as far as the location and how much time we were able to put into it. Like Drop of the Creature, I think we put in maybe eight days, nine days. Second album, possibly 12. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so in other words, like the more time was taken a bit and um, 
little bit more experimentation, and not everything is as live sounding. There's a few different kind of things deliberately that are different on that album. But in some ways, the formula is somewhat the same. We still have pop tunes, and then we start getting really heavy psychedelic tunes on that album. So people yeah, think, I think we're going off the rails there a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's very psychedelic. So were psychedelics involved? Because it's very... It's, there's Aren't the... they always? <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Jim, what do you have to add? I have nothing to say, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, me love. <laughs> Cover me, I'm going in. <laughs> Back to that passport issue. <laughs> All the misunderstanding, John, as you know. <laughs> there you go. Little misunderstanding. <laughs> I just like uh, Jim's laugh. There's yeah. a very telling laugh, but I'm going I'm to leave it there. Uh, we wanted to ask about this band compilation album that's put out um, by a UK la- label, Band Caruso Records. Right. Tourist from Time Not Yet. And it has a, a handful of songs from Drop of the Creature and from Studio. Right. How does this compilation uh, come together or uh, the idea? Well, I, Greg, obviously Greg was contacted by the people at Bam Caruso. But, and they did it for like a lot of American bands. Um, was it Plastic Land? They also have one on that that came out before us. So what they would do is they'd go and find the better American bands. As far as they could see, we were an American band because we recorded in L.A., and, um, you know, take the tracks off each album and make up a new album. That one actually did fairly well. That was basically only for the English market, but I think it went to yeah, the Netherlands and Germany. That's a funny too. record, man. I like that one. I mean, it's, it's the, the picture, what they do on the cover, like that cover, all the covers that's are right. That's funny, man. That's funny. What is the cover? It looks like some kind of ruins. or It looks like a ruin, but again, it goes with the steps imagery. Yeah. But it, they, I think that, that could have been generic or that could have been them feeling the way we are mm. you know, it could have been their idea of what we were about i mean the photos on the back the, the four photos of the band members that they picked yeah they picked these <laughs> and i didn't actually have one and jim's not on there they show the other guy eric those uh-huh. three pictures were taken in california <laughs> my one on the end was taken somewhere else like in ireland i just said i had to rush up and get a photo quickly <laughs> that's funny well there you go <laughs> So we're talking about the imagery for the steps. That that reminds me. I, I wanted to know where the name of the band came from. 
Uh, it's based on, I think Dave actually came up with that. It was based on, we read a lot of Steppenwolf, uh, stuff by Herman Hess. So it was like, we were doing a lot of Hess. We did a lot of uh, Huxley. Around that period, we read like Robert E. Howard. We read uh, Michael Moorcock, all of that stuff. And the, the eternal, it goes, again, it's sort of a Doors influence too, where the door is a perception that we are the steps, the endless plane. So you get lost in the endless plane of Russia. You know, that idea is so that you, there's no coming back when you're on the step. <laughs> That's very hey, good. We're heavy, we're heavy cats. Yeah. <laughs> heavy cats indeed, yeah. Well, I will say, once I once I started to, to jump on the steps, I haven't looked back, so it, it, it makes sense. All right, so John, earlier you mentioned this these tours, um, and I don't know, Jim, if you remember, when the internet first came out or first started to get popular you and i started sharing some communications this was like early 90s jim and uh you sent me some steps cassette stuff that wasn't released at the time delirium ended up releasing some of it but you also sent me a videotape and on this videotape was behind the scenes stuff with you guys in the van um traveling across europe and as a fan longtime fan of the steps looking at this video cassette that's basically home recordings of you guys right. in this van traveling across Europe. I, this was, I eat this stuff up and this was amazing for me to get. So Jim, I thank you for, for sending me that video cassette, but, um, can you guys tell okay, you, well, let me just, let me just remind you, you're not supposed to tell John and Tim, I sent that. <laughs> Way to go. You'll be hearing from my attorney. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was a dream. Maybe it didn't actually happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> so um, I was, I'm fascinated. I mean, 70 shows, about 70 yeah. shows and between 88 and 89. Do you guys have any tour stories that, 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 <laughs> that you would want to share with our listeners? Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> no. What, Jim? Some do, of them were good. <laughs> Jim, do you have anything that you would Yeah, we were like... The uh, KOA of band touring in your budget motel in, in Italy, where they locked the gates and wouldn't let us out until we fill in these things like that. And um, there were some interesting episodes that seemed to last, if not hours, days. Sometimes we were locked up in this hotel because the local promoter didn't pay the bill and they wanted the money yeah. from us and they weren't, they were in our van. And, what about the, uh, show in the show in Rimini, where we, got, up, we did two yeah, shows. I like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it got to the point where we were that uh, we were afraid of getting robbed. So one night, Jim and I went to the concierge at the hotel in like Sicily or wherever we were. And we said, okay, who's going to ask the guy if, if they have a safe? And Jim said, I'll ask him. So Jim said, you have a safe, sir that we can put something in. He said, sure, sure. So Jim hands him the bag with all the money in it. And the guy puts it in the safe. He comes back to the counter and he's just sitting there. He picks up a newspaper and Jim says, uh, hey, uh, can I have a receipt for that? And the guy <laughs> drops the paper and he looks at Jim and he says, are you questioning my honor? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sir. No, sir. I'm not questioning your honor. No, no, it's okay. Uh, we, we trust you. <laughs> and we all like went to bed with, uh, you know, thinking like, this is, this is it, man. They're going to kill us. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And, and Tim, 
10, did we get the money out? We did. We did get the money back. He was an honorable man in the end. He was an honorable man. I just want the world to know. $4 million lira was $28. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget that, though. Are you questioning my honor? (laughs) Jim, did you have anything that you wanted to add about the tours? You're making me nervous. What I want to say is, what I want to say is, man, you should really, you should always come see the Step Five because we're going to smash it up, man. And that's how every gig was. We're going to smash this up. And so you better get ready. I can tell my boys in the mood, and here we go. And by the way, can we get some American whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all, that's, that's every, every show is the same to me, and that's it. We're going to crush this audience. We're going to kill you. You're going to love us. Yeah. And otherwise, I'm going to start mashing the drums until they just break. <laughs> About, there, was a, there was a show. I think it was an Italian show. And I think it was in, um, I forgot which city. But it was there was live broadcast from the venue. And we went to the play and the drum kit started falling apart. Like the hi-hat wouldn't work. The bass drum wouldn't work. Oh, and yeah, yeah, man. Everybody was getting really pissed off there was, there about was all no- there was no throne for the drum set. I sat on a garbage can. That clip is out there, Johnny. That was and, That was a pisser. And it got to, we were all irritated. And the place was packed, like right up to where your knees are, straight back. There were people everywhere. And a guy walked on stage with a giant camera. And he's walking up to Dave with his camera in his face. And Dave turned to him and put his foot out and kicked him. And the guy went flying into the audience with the camera in his hand. Wow. <laughs> We found out that he was from the local channel TV. It was live. <laughs> oh no! That's, that's why. We, that's why we see that clip anywhere. <laughs> that was going to be the front page of the, the the morning paper for the next day, but Dave changed that a little bit. I think that was in Naples. Naples? Yes, yeah, I think it was. In, uh, Naples, yeah. yeah, where everybody drives in. They, didn't feel <laughs> they, they tried to hide it. They thought we would be mad if they put us on TV. We didn't really care. So Dave. We just wanted to leave. <laughs> I like it. I love it. We All did right. a television show in Athens also, which I, I never got to see. But right, we right. did that. Some of it was done before the show, and some of it was done live during the show. Yeah. I never saw any of those. Good. I mean, I think that's... Which one? The first one? 88 or 89, Tim? I think 88. I think that was the TV. Yeah, one. I think it was. Yeah, because there was a club there called the Roden Club in uh, Athens, and it was fairly new. And all the big, all like uh, Bo Diddley had played there recently. Big place, nice place. Yeah, it was really. We had we videotaped our own show in secret because they wouldn't let us videotape our own show that night. So we taped it from a projector booth behind. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. One more, one more time, Jeff. If you received anything from me, of course you didn't receive anything from me. <laughs> oh, you imagined it. I know nothing. There you go. Another, another really Good interesting one. thing is when we were driving out of Germany and we were driving through Switzerland and then we were driving into into Italy, we were actually stopped at the border and everybody had to get out of the van because the van was... Oh. I'm not going to tell all of it, but <laughs> there's a, there was a the van, you, was, the van was rented from Amsterdam. So it looked like, you know, five guys in the band from Amsterdam. <laughs> so everybody get out and they were like pissed off. 
and they told you to stand over there. And the Italians you could hear the dog. They had machine guns. Wow. And I was, yeah. I was getting, I was going to sit down, and the guy looked at me and pointed it at me. So I stood up, and we were all standing there. And then they're pulling shit out of the back of the van, and then they saw the album. I think, it, yeah, it was the studio, and they went, "Oh, the steps!" No, they knew you. Yeah, you know why? Because we were just in one of their big magazines. Like Bruce Springsteen was on the cover, and there was a three-page article on the steps. Wow! So they recognized Johnny. They, they left us alone after that. Yeah, but they had, we had to give them T-shirts, it albums. It. it was weird. <laughs> We're going to give up the merch so we don't go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't want to get shot again. <laughs> again. <laughs> again. Oh, another See? time we were in the Netherlands after we, we arrived. This would be the second tour, that same tour. And we got pulled over. And they told Dave and I to get out and look at the passports. They thought we were in the IRA. What? That was weird. Yeah. Wow. So then they let us go after. But again, that's the attitude. Uh, wow. I remember like, going in. So, you know what? Fuck them. I blew them up. Wow. I remember this kid at the border going into East Germany when it was still, you know, before the wall, way, way before the wall. And, uh, yeah. This kid that was guarding us while they checked our papers and this and that. And I offered him a record and he was afraid yeah. to take it. Yep. He said, I can't take it. I'll, I'll get in trouble. I'll go to jail. And he said, I do have a record player, but it doesn't have a needle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> real, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Couldn't take a record. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what the punishment would have been had he accepted s- studio. <laughs> He probably would have been fired and yeah. done some jail. And maybe. Wow. Yeah. We couldn't have Western records in East Germany at that time. Wow. Right. A lot of times their record players don't play the same speeds. Oh. Yeah, okay. they actually had that for a while. Intentionally? So they couldn't listen yes. to... Listen yes, exactly. To... Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Imagine the wonderful records that they had. Oh, <laughs> yes, they were not. <laughs> I think I think Jim got a phone call from that guy from that from that guard. I think <laughs> I think that's what I think that's what I would have been. Um, uh, I we want to ask about Inquire Within. All right, everybody, cool with that. So, 1989 Vox releases Inquire Within, an album that Rockerilla in Italy described as Hendrix meets Nick Drake. Feel the way I do. Sun 
want to ask about this four-week recording process for this album. Talk to us a little bit about this album. We already know the artwork is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Jim's favorite. <laughs> so. yeah, that's nobody's yeah. favorite. I like it. Tim likes it. There's always that. one. <laughs> I will say that I, I got the test pressing of it, and I like that cover. Yeah, that's better. That one's more beetly. There you go. Yeah. So how was the recording process for Inquirer Within? Yeah, this was this was completely different. This was the first album that we recorded in London. And it was in a studio in uh, Bromley, south of London. And uh, we'd all get up, get on the train, and take it out there. Like it, like it was a job. Like we get up there, we arrive at uh, 9.30 or whatever, start busy doing the psychedelic rock. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Tim would show up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Showed up a little later. <laughs> yeah, a little later. But, you know, like Tim would do, he'd come in, lazy as shit, walk over there, play something brilliant, and i go, God damn this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all the meat was... potatoes Dave and I had to do, and Tim walks in, plays something brilliant. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's some masterful guitar work on the choir within, I will what? say. As a guitar player, I'm... The, the guitar playing is amazing on a choir within. So. We cause our own misery by keeping pace. We bring our own disgrace with loss of hope. In darkness, we do grow for what always is there. If we And Tim was always using his uh, 64 Fender Jaguar at this point. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And that, he's, uh, some of the stuff he did on it, you think he's playing backwards and he's not. He's actually bending the notes with the tremolo bar. So when you're... He's actually cutting that live. No way. It's not backwards, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, the nice thing is, Johnny, and you and I know this, man, Tim picks nice notes. Yep. Now, once he picks them, can he remember to play them like two seconds later? No, nah, not always. <laughs> but as long as the tape is rolling, we got it, man. Yeah. It. it is impressive. Oh it's impressive. <laughs> Tim, what do you say about this? Well, you know, yeah. music has always yeah. come naturally to me. You know, I don't always pick the notes. The notes just come out. And at that time, I was really uh, getting into feedback a bit, and I would just let the feedback dictate where the notes would go and um, sometimes they just happen to be in the same key as the song we were playing so I would just do tracks of just feedback and sometimes we would uh, edit them in and edit them out and sometimes we would double them up and uh, that also came up later on skipping to God's Ghosts and Men 
uh, we did a lot of that there. That's a, another story. But um, yeah, working at, um, oh, God, what was his name? Which at, Gold Dust. Gold Dust? Uh, Mark uh, Dawson. Mark. Mark Dawson. Yeah, he was, yeah. a, he was a great guy. And, and that was oh, the yeah. first time oh, we recorded digitally as well. We'd never recorded digitally before, and uh, that was really fun. Well, and no, he actually, had it was still recorded analog, had, transferred to digital. He still did it uh, analog. He still used two inch tape. But it was after yeah. when it was mastered, it went to digital. Yeah, it was, he was a great. He was a great producer as well. Great engineer. I liked him. No, yeah. He always had tea. In the nice cup of tea. Nice yeah. cup of tea. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing better than hearing this from Mark. Uh, oh, that was a great take, Tim. Uh, you can do it again, right? Okay, here we go. Take two. <laughs> oh, that, was was... That, was, that was another fantastic take, Tim. Uh, but we're gonna do one more time. Okay, take eighteen. <laughs> but he would do it to everyone. Tim, so, like, even Tim, like I'm that was, that was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic jump, Tim. Uh, can we do it one more time, right? Okay, take thirty nine. Remember his other phrase, Mark would go, John, I know you're a superhero. Could we do it one more time? Yeah. <laughs> Mark's studio, he had, uh, it was uh, it was his house and it was all, the first floor was all converted into a studio. And uh, the drum kit that was there was owned by Black Sabbath. He knew, and he, uh, Aces, we man. Wow. the black one, black kit. And uh, he used to get all the all this everything that Jimmy Page needed. He worked at a music shop, so he knew Page. And he also got a phone call while we were there from Deacon from Queen. And we were just chatting. He was like, "I gotta yeah, take this nice. call. Hang on." <laughs> what album was that that you were recording? That was uh, in- "Inquire Within" and uh, right, "Inquire Within." Yeah, "Inquire Within" okay. and um, "Harps and Hammers" were both yeah. done in the studio. Okay. Right. Okay. I wanted to yeah. ask you guys, so with your living situation, so John, you and David were in in Ireland for a while, and I, right. I think you, you went and you moved with Jim for a while in San Francisco. Is that no, right? No, but I, I did go back and hung, we hung out. Okay. I'd, I'd leave every summer and go over to California and hang out. Okay. My lawyer says I cannot answer that question. Okay. <laughs> And then Tim, I think you spent some time abroad as well, right? No, he's always uh, been a man. (laughs) (laughs) I was in Oregon up until the 89 tour. And at the end of the 89 tour, our last show was in Berlin when the wall was coming down. And I, at the end of the show, it was in Kreuzberg. I can't remember the name of the club, but uh, I went to sit down backstage next to this girl named Larissa and we kind of hit it off and she came to London with us for the recording of harps and hammers. And that was that great psychedelic photo session we did was on new year's Eve. And we took all those photos. Yes. Yeah. She came back to the States with me for about six months and I went to LA with her and then I went straight back to Berlin and ended up living there for about a year and a half. Wow. So how was that with the band, with you guys living all over the planet? It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dreadful. Days, it's a drag. <laughs> it's a drag. I would imagine it makes reco- uh, rehearsals pretty difficult. 
We didn't please, realize. Please, please. Send your contributions and unmarked bills, too. <laughs> Where's that bag of money? I would say we we should have stayed in London maybe for another year and to see what would happen. But um, What are the most expensive cities to live in? <laughs> and you've got kids. You've got children involved, Timmy. Yeah, because right. David. That was Dave. Yeah, Dave. So it would have been all different. for one, you know. I'd leave the topics for Dave. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, there's no. What we ended up doing almost like a formula where we ended up meeting to do a tour. Tour is over. Rehearse a bit. Go in and do an album. So we never took songs out onto the uh, stage mm-hmm. before they were recorded. Okay. You know what I mean? We did. We recorded them, then took them out. So in that way, they in that way they have their own their their creations of the studio, and then we do a version except, of it. Live. Except, except for the the rare drunken brawling live version of "Take That," you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was just the way it went. But I think it probably was better that way, because sometimes if a band uh, writes a song, rehearses it, goes out and plays it a lot, you're kind of stuck in there, and it might be wrong for the studio. You might have to undo the song and reconstruct yeah, it. it. So we kind of did it in a more pure way. Mm-hmm. To purity. Yeah, we didn't. Have to make choices when you live in a billion miles away from the next guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I want to okay. ask about harps and hammers. <laughs> um, Good idea. Uh, I, I'm going to do my best. There we go. Thanks, Jeff. Now that one had a good cover.
this is a mark is a much more straightforward rock sound and we were curious what signaled this this change for this album in 1991 is it was it simply recording in england at um at gold dust was it something that you all were listening to because this is really a different sound it's kind of like it's a it's a product of touring so we toured now two big tours so we were all we're entering on this to the point now where we're touring like a big band in that sense we're doing big tours so we're playing 30 shows so that's not like an indie band coming over from the states doing five shows so we were actually getting to the point like the italians even now when i talk to a lot of people in italy they always tell me you go we always thought of the steps as a big band. We went to see the big band when they went to see us. So I actually I thought that was a very great compliment to us. When you came to see us, it was like something like maybe the late 60s, early 70s. They experienced a rock band. Right. Not just a bunch right. of guys indie came over and dribbled through their songs. You know what I mean? We were a different kind of band than what they were used to. Remember, the Italians were seeing all of it because all the bands in America would go over and play a few shows. Right. So that way I, I viewed it as... They were the Italians are very perceptive to our greatness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Gotta love those guys. <laughs> but I mean, they saw something in it that maybe, like, say, the Germans would view it as it's a rock band. Mm-hmm. The Italians are more artsy. They viewed it as like, ah, oh, it's a whole experience. You know, what do you? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like that in Greece too. Greece was yes, huge. it was like that very much in Athens. So we, the whole Mediterranean people. was into psychedelic more. Like the Spaniards, the Italians, and the Greeks were actually into this kind of music more than the Germans, and say mm-hmm. the French weren't into anything. <laughs> and the English it was very hard to get through to them in England. Really? Because it was so disjointed, you couldn't tour in England properly. Like nobody would arrange tours to go up the north of England. There was no money in it, there was nowhere to stay. Where the Germans had, like, uh, when you tour Germany, you go to every venue. They have rooms upstairs you can stay in. It costs nobody anything. Wow. So the Germans were way more organized in that way. And some of the, there's a club called uh, the Rose Club in Cologne. It's still there. And they still have the same system. Band comes in, they stay upstairs. They play downstairs. Here's your beer. <laughs> so, you know, it's efficient. <laughs> John, you're saying the Rose Club is still there, man? I think it is, yeah. And then, so... Tim, on Harps and Hammers, you you have a couple songs on there with "Keep It Clean" and "Key to My Heart." So how did how did you like having a couple of your songs make it onto a record? I mean, you had two songs on uh, this one. So. What yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, I I was actually before that was recorded, I was living in San Francisco for a while, and I had some very interesting people, and that's where "Keep It Clean" came from. And uh, Keith Hart came from Larissa, the girl that I had just met, said, make a song for me. (laughs) So I said, all right, I'll I'll make a song for you. And I always thought it was Keith Meinhardt. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> the first time I've heard of it. It ran. It rhymed with "key to my heart, key to my soul," and I always wanted to say "asshole" at the end, but I never did. <laughs> that was late. <laughs> That's a good idea, Tim. So, what about? Oh uh, yeah. Whose idea was it to take the vocals on your songs, Tim? Oh, All to right. sing them myself. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, you wrote it. You fucking sing it. It was one of those deals. Come on, guys. Let me put a couple songs on the album. No, yeah. yeah, okay. Let, Come on, here. gang. It was graduation day. The cap was on, the two songs. <laughs> you know, John and David Come on, and Johnny, I... let's let him sing just one. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, do your thing. <laughs> Timmy gets two. But it was like, tea for two. It was, I was perfectly content working on John and Dave's music. I enjoy their music, you know, and it was it was yeah. fun to sit in our little psychedelic mushroom cave working these tunes out and just, yeah. you know, <laughs> seeing them kind of form themselves. So for me to think of, a, a, you know, writing a song to put on the album, I would never just write songs mm. to put on the album unless, you know, I was prompted to. Okay. I'm, I'm perfectly working on the music at hand. Well, Tim is very much a complimentary musician. Like, he'll listen, he'll take... Okay, I'll write a song, and he'll put a lead or he'll put guitar pieces on it while I'm singing in the background. So, in a sense, he's helping arrange the tune. Nice. Yeah. So the best, his nice. contributions are quite big. Nice. Yeah, we brought some keyboards in way way back. Even we we brought keyboards in. We were always thinking of. I'd hear the the, the parts in my head. You know, Reed's got that farfisa. Let me go grab it and see how that sounds like on holding up well. You know. And it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, there's even one song I play keyboard on, and I don't even play keyboards. <laughs> on, uh, that song, Tourist from Time, not yet. I played the oh, keyboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. You let y'all play that, man? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I wanted to ask. So you guys uh, on Vox in 1991 released the live album, Alive, right. Alive, Oh, which you guys... Uh, from what I, I never got to see you guys perform live in person, but the video clips that I've seen you guys were amazing live. And um, this is, wasn't the best live recording. It sounds like you guys put on a great show.
you know what? There, there's a story to how that's recorded. It was, it was recorded at the University of Stuttgart. Okay. And the guy, the guy hired uh, record people that didn't know what they were doing, and all the sound was recorded at very low volume. I mean, it was really. Nowadays, you would go, "Wow, this is awful. It's unusable." It was so quiet. So what happened was, I took the tapes with me, so I didn't trust the label in Germany to put them out properly. So I put them in my guitar case, closed it, and we left. <laughs> wow. And I brought, it, I brought it to Greg Shaw, and then we went to a studio in uh, Van Nuys. And even that was odd, because we took the studio up there, he put it in the computer, and he goes, wow, who recorded this? It's like, this is unusable. So I said, that's not what we want to hear. We want <laughs> So we worked on it a lot. And it's like the first time of putting stuff into a computer and trying to mm -hmm. get it clearer and pull it up a bit in the volume. So, yeah, it's not the best live thing. we've. I mean, a lot of things we did. I mean, we played fine. We were pretty violent that night. <laughs> yeah, no, but, the, uh, the performance is amazing. But the, but the actual ability of the people, the engineers, it was like new to them. Like they were just hired. They'd never worked with their equipment before. So it was kind of stupid in that way. But um, interesting on the studio in Van Nuys, it was uh, one night I was asked, could you not come in tonight and give up time for somebody? And I go, sure, who is it? Mick Taylor from the Stones. Wow. He needed, he needed the studio to do some demos that night. Wow. And I could borrow Bill's car, if that's how I was getting around, to get up there. I would have liked to have gone up and met him. <laughs> wow. So I went in the next night and he'd be gone. <laughs> wow. Oh, and outside the studio, down the street, there was a, uh, a car repair. Uh -oh. was an old beaten up car from the six uh -oh. TV show. It was actually one of the two cars that was used in the green morning. And, you know, wow. Psychedelic stuff just follows wow. me. <laughs> <laughs> See? Very psychedelic. Yeah, I mean, that that particular show, you, you you hit it pretty much on the head, man. I like to call it the Larissa Show. It was I can't remember the name of the club in Berlin, but Tim, you know what I'm talking about. That show was a monster. I wish it had saved that one. The thing about the one that the album came off, it was it was something weird and this and that and the other. And every yeah, it just wasn't cool. That was recorded. So, I mean, we can do it. We can we can mash it up. I can force it out there, but. Oh, the Berlin show, Tim. That was when Tim got Larissa. Oh, that was a monster show. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is we recorded that. I think we recorded that live album in Stuttgart. Yeah. And Larissa's boyfriend was there, told her about the steps and said, you got to go see the steps. Oh, <laughs> and she said, cool. oh, they're playing in Berlin. Go see them. <laughs> that was uh, Wolfgang. His name is Wolfie. Oh, ah, Wolfie. oh yeah, Wolfie. <laughs> And what about the title, Alive, Alive, Oh? Who came up with that? I did. It's basically based off uh, an old oh, song in Dublin uh, with um, Molly Malone. Alive, uh, selling cockles and mussels, alive, alive, oh. Ah, okay, okay. That's how I use that. Nice. It's like an old song from the 1600s. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm real curious about the next release. So another amazing cover. <clears throat> oh, this is this is another one. <laughs> okay, can we talk about? This, this was Atomic supposed to be my solo album when the band was already over. And we're, so we're talking about Atomic Cossack, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Greg gets it, and he decides I'm going to put it out as a steps album. And I'm in Ireland, and he's in LA. There's really nothing I can do about it. 
Wow. So it was, it was, I had a, you know, we had a bit of an argument on that, but you yeah. and Greg, or are you in the band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, me and Greg, because he shouldn't have put it out as a band album because the band didn't play on it. So was um, it... that was re-released later on CD by uh, Delirium, Richard Allen. He put it out mm -hmm. properly. As a John Fallon album. Yeah. Because yeah. that was done like, I was done actually with Mark Dawson at the same studio in London. Okay. So that was... So can I ask a follow-up question about uh, some of the Delirium releases? So in 1997, uh, the UK label Delirium Records comes into the story of the steps, releasing Drop of the Creature Studio on CD with bonus tracks, as well as a rarity CD. Sometimes it's just not worth saying sorry. Sometimes it's not worth the pain and the folly. I said sometimes, cause sometimes it is. TV shows you a movie star In a burned out building in a bummed out bar But you know to a life's a drag It's a crib death, it's an aging fag It's children lovingly forced to sing For the benefits of the future king And it's black babies' bellies bloated with the water It's a nameless crying futureless daughter And staring at the sun, staring at the sun Don't make you blind Just makes you see things different for a while The girls buy new dresses and wear kinky boots Talk of who they are, who they've had and who they can't and I wonder if they realize they sound like twenty dollar whores And I wonder if they care And you dream of yesterday when it's already tomorrow love to borrow if you paint your face you lose god's grace nothing ventured nothing gained and then a new album gods men and ghosts right
How does Delirium walk into this picture and then this recording of God's Men and Ghosts? Okay, uh, Richard Allen was a friend. He, he ran a magazine in England uh, called uh, Freakbeat. And he heard Drop of the Creature in a record store in London. It was like, they were known as the two Bills. This Bill guy and this other Bill guy each owned half of a record store. But they were both into the steps. And he was in there and it was being played. And he goes, who is this? So, you know, he played it for me, saw it. So right away, Richard made a, new, a thing where he interviewed me. Well, I was in Ireland and he was in England. He sent over a cassette tape with questions. This is pretty primitive back then. <laughs> and I would answer them on another cassette and then we'd mail it back, you know, with the, ans the answers. Wow. So he did it that way. We were in issue number four of uh, Freak Beat magazine. Freak Beat, man. Freak and, Beat. Yeah, and, and we had, there was a flexi disc, uh, which is quite rare. In it, and it was the uh, History Hates No Man on the A side, the steps. And the B side was the Bevis But that was kind of nutty. And then we went over in 88 and we met Richard. And uh, I mean, he was a good friend really at that point. Super nice guy. Oh yes, yeah, I still know him. I still talk, like I talked to him two days ago. <laughs> and he- Me um, too, yeah, big, big man. So he, he became, by the end of the, like around 1990, he kind of became our manager, is whatever that means at that point. And he got a P.O. box out near where he lives, and that was the Steps P.O. box. And eventually, when things fizzled out, he got P.O. box, and that was Delirium Records. <laughs> so what happened was, a few years later, he wanted to put everything out that he could. And so he asked to put these out. Yeah. And I had... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He... Uh, yeah, what is it? I, I got an attorney in Chicago to sort out the legal problems with Greg, because they kept pressing oh. records. And they never paid us ever. So they kept pressing. And I mean, I know that Drop of the Creature was the biggest selling album they ever put out because Greg told me it was. <laughs> Why would he tell me it if it was? What did, what, did, what did Susie tell you? <laughs> uh, Susie, yeah. I mean, as a person, she's fine, but just face it. I mean, yeah. they're never going to tell you the nah, truth. There's no way of ever knowing. <laughs> it all rhymes with what? Greg's line was we'd say, Greg. How many records did you sell? He said, I sold as many records as were pressed. He never gave us the number. <laughs> wow. But I mean, big picture, big picture though. I mean, I, I really have nothing bad to say about of Greg. Of course, no. Man. I've always of liked course, man. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not like Greg? Come on, man. Oh, I think of all the albums he did put out. He, we put out, what, six albums by him on his label. Right, right. Oh, think of all the cats. But it doesn't matter. It really I mean, Greg Scott was um, in Hollywood with Susie. I mean, their warehouse was incredible. We used to go there and they'd oh, let us yeah. go through and Buffalo Springfield test pressings and he'd let us take home all the records. And it was just a, a place where you saw um, the Droogs and the Leaving Trees the screaming. <laughs> The Drews, all these Rudy all Patrudy. that were just like us were in that warehouse. You yeah. know, if it, if Big Shaw didn't exist, a lot of that probably never would have happened. Right, right. Oh no, definitely. Uh, we died. That <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say that God's Men and Ghosts was an amazing album that came out almost ten years after your last album. I mean, there was pretty mm -hmm. much a ten-year break. <laughs>
and the record is just incredible. I, at yeah. first, I thought, what are these guys going to do 10 years later? But it sounds really cohesive, and in my opinion, it's a great album. You guys mm-hmm. knocked it out. You know what it is? That's almost our white album. <laughs> That's what that is. I mean, it was a situation where um, we went to Milwaukee to record it. Okay. And it was John Frankovic, who is from Plastic Land. Oh, the, yes, yes. I had gone up. I was a friend of his and Glenn, the other guy. Glenn, we didn't get to see that time, but I'd seen him previously. But um, so he was kind of in charge, and he was actually paid by Richard Allen to produce the. So technically, that's the first album we didn't produce. Okay. He's the producer of the album. So um, we did rehearse a bit, not much. <laughs> and we went up and recorded. So we were all kind of entrenched in John Frankovic's house when we were in Milwaukee. We'd get up, go to the studio, and we'd be there like for 10 hours or whatever. We were there a long time. And there was a, he went and bought a, a keg and put it in the middle of the studio. <laughs> like a big keg. <laughs> did Jim, a- did Jim have access to the keg? Alan came walking in yeah, one day and I didn't. Did. <laughs> I knew that was a mistake, but I. <laughs> All right. Somebody has to be the keeper of the day. <laughs> <laughs> <Mind> her. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to talk about this record or this compilation. Right, right. Yeah. So in 2013, Cherry Red put out this compilation. It's a two disc album. And if right. any of our listeners oh, yeah. don't know the steps, I say start with this one. Um, it's got music from all of the albums that we've discussed today. It's called Green Velvet Electric. How did this come about, you guys? Richard Allen, I think, was the in-between guy that got that going. And um, Cherry Red. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they decided to put out a double album with with so much stuff. There's 41 tracks on that. Yeah, there's a lot of music. In in fact, if you look carefully, the entire Drop of the Creature album is on there. It's like they snuck the whole album (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great idea. Look at all the work that they did on the inside. The artwork is great. The mastering is great. Everything is right. Yeah. The booklet is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a very well put together. But Cherry Red does good good work. Yes. So, but yeah. they did it right. So, for they did. I, like I said, I for any of our listeners that don't know the steps, this is a great place to start. But I guarantee... Well, if you get this, you're gonna get on those steps, and you're gonna want to go forever. But it's a it's a great place to start. So, and that came out what seven years ago, and then more right. more recently, um, in 2016, Teen Sound Records re-releases Drop of the Creature, and um, this sounds much better than the Vox version. Yeah. So if you're gonna buy the album, look for this the newer version on Teen Sound. Um, right. It, it sounds great, and. This is very unusual because you rarely see this, but with the vinyl, um, you get two two songs that you don't get on the Vox version with "History Hates No Man" and "Summers End in San Francisco" that you recorded previously. But. You never get extra songs. Johnny! <laughs> yeah. So did you can you tell That's us a, a little one, man. a little bit about the Teen Sound records? 
coming into yeah, the picture? Yeah, uh, the guy that runs, uh, it's um, um, Misty Lane. He, he used to run a magazine. He ran, uh, it's a shop, which is closed now, but he had a shop in Rome, and he had uh, mail order business, which he still has. It's Massimo Del Pozo. He, uh, and I've met him twice. He's come over to Vegas. Yeah, he came over here, and uh, we had him DJing and hanging out. He was over here buying records, and he put him in a car, and he'd drive across the whole country buying old records to bring them back to Italy to sell them. So every time he's in town, we get together. <laughs> and um, he, this Drop of the Creature is his, one of his favorite albums. So uh, we just said, okay, well, let's do that one. And let, but let's do it, you know, he said, a gatefold sleeve. So, you know, the nice pictures and all. I mean, it, again, he did a great job. I mean, a lot of the insight is his idea, actually. Yeah. So, but no complaint. <laughs> again, it's another uh, another taking of older Steps music and just putting it in a presentation that just looks yep. fantastic. Absolutely yeah, yeah. fantastic. So, yep, if you're going to get Drop of the Creature on vinyl, I recommend that version for sure. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. And I think that might even be easier to find now. There's always yeah, a version of John's naked on the cover, but that's very rare. Very rare. <laughs> I buried Yoko. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's, at least, that's at least 300, man. <laughs> yeah, John gave me Yoko's phone number, and really? I actually called her. Yeah, yeah. I had it. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. Also, Pete Townsend's phone number. Remember at uh, Eel Pie Island, Forty uh, Street. <laughs> but I called Yoko and asked her if uh, I could send her uh, one of our, our. It was our first record, and she said, "Sure, send it to me. I'll listen to it." And I, I said, "What's your address?" And she said, "Well, you got my phone number. You can find my address." Oh. She never gave it to me. So. Oh, <laughs> but you did. But you did talk to Yoko on the phone. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. John John gave me John had her phone number. Yeah. <laughs> at the Dakota. Wow. Hey. And I said, Give it to me, I'll call her. So I did. Wow. I did not uh, expect that to come up in this interview. There you go. <laughs> See? What, yeah, what you more do you want? At the time. <laughs> but uh, I did get a letter from Pete. That was nice. He said, Sorry, I don't listen to unpublished music. <laughs> then you could never listen to his own song because he didn't publish it yet. <laughs> yeah. There you Real go. There you go. Well, I wanted to ask, and for our listeners who inevitably are going to hear uh, a lot of Steps music on this episode, um, where can they find your music right now? What are the best places? Do you guys well, I mean, have a... a lot of it? Is at the point now it's streaming on Apple Music and Spotify. <laughs> Uh, a lot of it's actually put up on a YouTube, like by when you do the deal with them, they put everything up there. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, there's a Steps channel as well with a lot of live videos on it from the old days. And plus, like the stuff, what I'm doing now with the laissez fairs, mm-hmm. it's like everything from 83 to now is on the channel. It's lots of stuff to take a look Jeffrey, at. Jeffrey, you, you may not publish the video I sent you, man. You got that? <laughs> what video? I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. My- my lawyer said I'm not allowed to mention the video. There you go. My attorney says I have to say it to you. <laughs> That's what and, the sheriff said. <laughs> and uh, do any of you have um, like a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram that 
that uh, we can direct our listeners to. Okay, yeah. Um, on okay, I have a Facebook page for the steps, so you can go to that. I have a Facebook page for the Leslie Fairs, and I have a personal page as well, John Fallon. And uh, there's an Instagram one that says Steps John Fallon. So you okay. can find it on Instagram. Eh, what's left? <laughs> oh, the, the YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. Jim. No. Jim. <laughs> that was rather <laughs> quick. <laughs> I mean, for Jim, we Johnny, had... Johnny knows how to find me. <laughs> I mean, even for Jim, we had to go through three different people to get to him. So. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Tim, what about you? Are you? Available online. Are you awake? No, not really. I do have a few demos. Uh, Secrets, Tim. Those are secrets, man. Secrets. Yeah. There's, you know, there's some stuff, a a few songs out there, but um, I've been fortunate to be able to see Jim quite often, and we've been. Dabbling a little bit. And we're coming, we're coming out to get you, Johnny, so get ready, man. Yeah, we are. We got about a couple dozen songs that we just don't have time to go into the studio and record, you know. With well, um, things Tim have just has been actually so- played on five songs on the Leslie Ferris. Tim is on That's the true, man. Tim, four songs. Tim's a man. On, yeah, he came down and he was on four songs on the uh, Empire of Mars album by the Leslie Ferris. He plays guitar on four songs. And on the. Um, first Leslie Fair's album, the song Never Come Back, he's playing the acoustic guitar. So he's made it onto five songs already, so anytime I can get him down here. <laughs> and um, like what's coming up now for the Leslie Fair's, we have a, a vinyl 45 is coming out next month, maybe in two weeks. It's on Hypnotic Bridge Records out of LA. And uh, this guy, Stu Pope, that runs the label, he's put out 21 singles, and they're all psychedelic in the last two years. Wow. So he's got this whole thing about... He's a good guy, man. Yeah, he's creating this whole thing where uh, you go to the label and you know something's going to be interesting. That's why he just does 45s. And they're all pressed, I believe, uh, like Arwen is pressed in the Czech Republic. Wow. So he wants to get the best pressing he can get. So that's coming. That'll, that's what's called 10,000 Tomorrows. And the B-side is uh, From Field to Field that Joe Lawless wrote the second one. So that was recorded. And my son plays on both. Yeah, so John, I, was, I wanted to ask you if you could tell us the rest of the band. So that play in the Laissez Faire. So. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, Lawless plays keyboards, 12 string guitar sometimes, six string sometimes, sings as well. Um, my bro- uh, my uh, son, Crom, plays bass sometimes, no percussion. But on the A side, he's the drummer <laughs> on this time. And um, uh, he also has his own music too. I mean, uh, he's. We're working on his second album right now. We've got nine tracks mostly finished for his second album. And he's on the same label called Rumbar Records in Boston. Okay. So the Leslie Fairs are on that, yeah. and so is Crom. And uh, that's the main focus of what we're doing these days. But, I mean, I also play with another guy named Trevor Jones. He's Trevor and the Joneses, kind of like jammy, psychedelic music. And we're working on the third album of them right now. Wow. So I've been talking to Trevor today. So, we're, you know, I keep very busy, even though there's no there's no live shows going on that much. Right. It's very hard to play now. But Crom uh, and his band, the P200, did go out to Rump in the next county from Vegas, and they did show out there. Nice. So we went out there. You know, the rump, right? the rump, but it's the, the first rump. time in months. You know? Yeah. So it's, but that's right. But that at least we president? have a studio. Nice. We can focus on getting music. 
so we can get focused on getting the music done. So we'll be ready by, you know, like we'll have something out in September, then his album should be out maybe November, and our next album we're going to, we've started a bit, the Laissez Faire's fifth album should be out maybe in January. Wow. So John's not resting. I mean, I have seen, Jim has been down to Vegas. Jim has been here. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we can't talk about that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sure, and it was oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 man. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to hold you guys up too much longer, but I wanted to thank you guys so much for coming on the show and talking about the steps. It was yeah. actually kind of fun. I really appreciate it. It's a band that I've obsessed over for many, many years. You guys put out amazing music. For our <laughs> listeners, I highly recommend that you go check these out. If you haven't heard them, I recommend that you starting with the two CD compilation set from red cherry and by all means check out john's music laissez fairs and um tim plays on a few of those songs for yeah, sure, yeah. Man, so, for sure. you guys thank you so much for spending a little bit of time for, thank you very much and, uh, we'll be sure to share some links where to find Jeff, it. come on man <laughs> all right you guys there'll be a lot of editing <laughs> that's all right i got an editor and i've got scissors and i got tape so <laughs> all right you guys thank you so much and you guys have thanks a wonderful evening. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you. Over and out. See all you all right. later. All right. Over and out. 10 4. Right. We'll talk to you later. So, what did you think about that conversation? Wow. That was fun. <laughs> Those guys, they cracked me up. <laughs> oh, my God. This, uh, the synergy and uh, the camaraderie. Yeah. They yeah. are. They're a fun bunch. I liked, um, I liked walking through their discography and their history. Did you? There's a there's a lot of really interesting stories there. Yeah. And um, I thought it was interesting. Six albums for Box. Yeah, that was. You know that that's significant. Yeah, and like John mentioned, they've put out more records as a single band than any other right. Vox, any other band on Vox. So. Uh, you know. That, it just goes to show, you know, when he said, Greg heard us, believed in us since an album. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. But I also like the fact that they garnered the attention from other labels that also wanted to put out their music. And then, you know, when Cherry Red released, you know, puts something out in 2013 and puts the entire Drop of the Creature plus... Yeah. You know, a selection of songs from the other albums, like 41 tracks. You can't, you can't uh, bat an eyelash at that. That's pretty. Yeah. I am the way that I imagine that whole cherry red thing happening is I imagine them sitting down, saying, "Okay, let's narrow these, yeah. all these albums down to a single compilation with 12 to 14 songs or whatever," and then then they start listening to them and thinking okay we can't drop that one we yeah. can't drop that one we can't drop now we're left with 41 songs so <laughs> it's fantastic i think they did uh you know and that cherry red compilation is really strong i totally agree with you that's a great starting point and then you can move backwards and um you know the i didn't realize that the blue max that that was primarily a label it was really a release for media or for other label. It just wasn't meant for the market. So 
how amazing that you have a copy. Yeah, that it literally took me 30 years to find and I couldn't find That's it until amazing. until the internet came around. And even once the internet came around and I had it on my wish list for eBay, I had it on my wish list for everything and um I couldn't believe it when I finally got my hands on it. And then I I like I said I I listed it in in my catalog and I've literally gotten emails from people saying I'll give you $200 for it. I'm like, I'm not selling it. How about 300 And I'm like, I'm not selling it. And they're like, please? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, this took me so long to find. I will not let go of this record. It's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And a couple and... of the songs are on the Delirium release for the Rarities record. So you can get a couple of those songs on there. But to actually get that vinyl copy, I would be surprised if anybody could find it. But um, yeah, this is one band that uh, there's probably been a dozen or two bands that I've really obsessed about, and the Steps are definitely one of those bands. So, to me, this was a, an absolute treat to have John, Jim, and Tim on. And I'm, I mean, I may have talked to Jim in the past, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> now I want to see all these things that you wink, wink, don't have in your possession. I don't have anything, Soraya. You don't. You ain't got nothing. I've got all right. nothing. I've got. You nothing. and I are going to talk a little later. Um, <laughs> One of the things that I, I that really uh, struck a chord in me was listening to Tim talk about his songs because I couldn't find a guy more chill than Tim. Yeah. And his songs are great. Yeah. You yeah. know the the ones that he's penned. You know they're great songs. They are strong songs, and you know the way he talks about that. You know. Yeah. And two songs. And so when he and Jim were saying at the end, yeah, we've got like 12 songs and, you know, we don't know what to do with them. I'm like, all right, I'm listening. You've yeah, got exactly. my attention. Wow. Exactly. So. Yeah. I want to hear those. I'd like to hear those. Hopefully they Very can cool. flesh those out. So what a fun but, bunch of guys with great chemistry. Excellent. And yeah. uh, something tells me, Jeff, call me crazy. I think we just barely skimmed the surface of some of those touring stories oh yes oh yes. boy because yes. uh, considering jim was <laughs> his go-to answer was my lawyer has advised me not to discuss that <laughs> but um but think about the things they saw you know they saw the berlin wall coming down you know they were in europe during a really key time and then come on when a dude like John Fallon's got uh, Yoko Ono's phone number, right? And, you know, passes it on, or you know, Pete Townsend's number. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, so this was a great way, in my opinion, to end our mini series from Vox bands <laughs> and the, the, one of the most prolific Vox bands we end with, and uh, definitely a, a personal favorite of mine. But up next do you want to tell our listeners what we're doing next week with our little panel oh, we got a little panel discussion about the go-go's documentary yes. so looking forward to it yes i've already watched it three times and i'm getting my records back out and i've been listening to them so that should be fun so It'll... yeah so uh, mi gente go get uh a drop it how did john say it? Drop of the creature. Drop of the creature. But uh, I love that accent. Drop of the creature. Um, mi gente, agroviar, go listen to the steps. Crew on, Paisley people.
No, I just I'm, I'm sorry. I could. I'm sorry about the Skype thing, but I I'm sitting out in the backyard. It's a lovely, lovely afternoon here. It's really. We nice. don't know if he's wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know of any of us. Are. My, lo- my lawyer says I can't answer that question. Okay, thank you. Artie Fufkin. <laughs> <laughs> Take this ass for a man, will you, John? For a man. I love it.